Welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. everyone and welcome to Turn the Page. I am your host today, Jen, and I am joined by a fantastic writer of a book that really just like it consumed my whole last weekend and I'm just so excited to talk about it. Could I ask you to introduce yourself and your book, please? Yeah, my name is Kevin Allardyce. Uh, I am a uh, fiction writer and uh, this novel, Weft, uh, it's my, my fifth book. It's the first uh, inaugural publication uh, with Madrona Books, and it is the story of a uh, a mother and her teenage son who, um, when we meet them at the beginning of the book, um, are um, I mean, well, they're con artists. They are they're sort of um, uh, sort of making their way around the country um, <clears throat> um, with this particular. Um, con that they've that they've sort of perfected uh revolving around um uh pretending that she is a casting director for the upcoming um uh, Star Wars prequels this takes place in the late 90s uh around the time that that news of the the Star Wars prequels was um uh, getting a lot of traction and so uh they've they've come up with this this con to um uh, sort of capitalize on that. Uh, on that interest. And uh, then we find out sort of how they became um, uh, alienated from the other half of their family. Um, and we learn a bit more about uh, Bridget is the the mother, uh, her some of her uh, background and skills and experiences that sort of got her to this point. Um, and then the second half of the novel, the their their con and their their pursuit of um, a, a mark, um, leads them into a a haunted house. That's it's Halloween weekend in this gated community where, um, sort of literally and figuratively, the walls start to to, to close in around them. Um, so yeah, the 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 first half of the novel um, is about their uh, this mother son relationship, um, and then that uh, sort of about the the their life uh, in a series of motel rooms and shopping malls and and operating this con. And then that leads into the second half of the novel in which it all sort of, um, yeah, turns on its head. Yeah. It's so good. As I said <clears throat> before, uh, before we started, it was just, uh, I could not put it down. It's, it's so much fun and it's also so beautiful and so sad. And there's just, it's, it's really, really lovely. So thank you. Oh, thank you for saying that. Oh, no problem. Um, would you be able to talk a little bit about uh, your journey to the book? Um, you said <clears> it was fifth. And um, I'm wondering if you could just talk about sort of, uh, yeah, your writing career, maybe how it led mm -hmm. you to this book. Sure. So um, I think more than anything else that, I, that I've written, this one seemed rooted in, in how, I, how I started writing uh, when I was a teenager because when I was in high school, I I was really in love with with stories of con artists, and um, I loved you know novels by like Jim Thompson and um, and also you know movies like The Sting. Um, and I at one point when I was I believe sixteen, I did a um, 
I convinced one of my teachers to do a uh, an independent study in which I would uh, get some school credit for writing a, um, it was a screenplay. And so I, I um, spent a, a good chunk of a, a semester writing this <clears throat> uh, uh, this screenplay that was um, about, um, about con artists. And it was largely based, obviously not in experience, but in um, just books I'd read, movies I'd seen, um, and so it was um, me just trying to, you know, work out the mechanics of, you know, how stories work. And, you know, it wasn't that good, but it was um, allowed me to kind of, um, I guess, gave me the confidence that I can get from, you know, the first page to the to the last page. Um, and um, I, th- somewhere around that time, there was a, a, a book called The Big Con that was, um, it was, I believe originally published in 1940 uh, or somewhere around there. And it was an ethnography of con artists. And then it was reissued in the late nineties. And so I remember at Barnes and Noble getting this, this reissued uh, edition of this, this book, The Big Con. And, and I'd heard about it because it had, um, you know, inspired some of the the books and movies that, that I loved. Um, and so I remember getting that and, and it sort of lays out just the mechanics of how, or at least how in 1940, um, these kind of things work. And I really loved it. But um, from there, you know, I uh, um, sort of drifted away from, from those kind of stories. And I, I began to think of them as kind of the, um, you know, juvenilia, just sort of like that's what it, I was interested in when I was a kid, but it's not really um what what interests me anymore and then you know early in the pandemic like a lot of people i i started thinking back to um uh just the kind of books i liked at a younger age the kind of stories i liked at a younger age the kind of things i liked writing um and i started thinking about these these kind of stories um and i realized um that those earlier attempts at, at writing these kind of stories were always missing um some some crucial elements or, or at least elements that i now recognized as as being 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 crucial and um they were i think when i was younger at least i think that the attraction both as a as a reader um as a, a movie watcher and as a as a uh, aspiring writer the attraction was in um i think a certain kind of control it's like when you're when you're involved in a story about con artists, there's like this this element of control that it can be really exciting or at least satisfying when, especially when you're a teenager and you know you're you you ha- you're very aware of all the things that you don't have control of. Um, but then I think coming back to thinking back to those kind of stories um, as as an adult, I began to. Um, uh, sort of bring those those sort of um, bring other elements in there, and started thinking of it as a way to a window into um, a story of this this family. And I think as soon as I I sort of did that, it suddenly um, took on a, a different kind of life. And I think it became pursuing this, this type of story became less about me as the writer trying to exercise a certain kind of control. And it became more about 
following characters who for whatever reasons need a certain need that that kind of control and so once i was able to to make that shift that's where i sort of found my way into into this story um and so it was it was a lot of um it was it was fun and it was exciting to sort of find my way back into a kind of storytelling that um you know had had been deeply exciting for me many many years ago and but now i could sort of see from a a, a new a new angle and then you know when i was thinking about that idea of control because um like i said i i realized what was interesting is not so much the writer's ability to control something um but rather following those characters who who have this this need for it i realized well now we have to to push it into a space where they absolutely don't have control where where um you know even the 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 physical layout of the space is is confusing and overwhelming and so that's what led uh led me and led the characters into the the second half of the novel which is this um where where they're you know wind up in this this haunted house um uh where um yeah i sort of like that idea of like this sort of desire for control in the first half sort of leading them into just just the opposite the space sort of beyond beyond control that is so interesting <clears throat> You know, the the con artist is a really interesting figure, you know, because as I was reading, I was kind of thinking that like Bridget, certainly, and maybe con artists in general sort of like have to um, like pretend to very much be a part of the world while actually kind of like sitting slightly outside of it. Mm -hmm. And that creates like a lot of really interesting tension. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the performance and the reality. Um, could you talk a little bit about... Um, <clears throat> Yeah, talk a little bit about Bridget, maybe, and where she came from. Um, like, I never really like asking authors, like, where do your ideas come from? Because no one likes that question, and, like, they don't really come from anywhere. But I do, <laughs> I am interesting in, like, interested in inception points. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering, like, at what point was it that Bridget sort of, like, came alive for you? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think that, I think that's a great question. Um, the, so I think the point where, um, she came alive to me is when um, I I thought of her as taking on this role of pretending to be this this casting director. Um, and I, when I was a teenager, when I was the age of of her son Jake in, in the in the novel, um, I was um, really involved in, in in acting. And I remember this this point in the '90s when. Um, you know, I, I knew people who were um, submitting audition tapes for themselves to 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 be um, considered for for the role of uh, uh, for lots of different roles in these um, Star Wars prequels, and um, that 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 whole world of kind of um, uh, you know the sort of film industry far removed from. Los Angeles, geographically removed uh, from Los Angeles, um, but you know, filled with sort of ambition going in all sorts of, of different directions and excitement. Um, I, I, I thought a lot about that and sort of brought some of that into it. And, um, and that 
idea of, of her, uh, of performance, really, like what you said, of being, um, being the kind of person who um, gets what she wants or what she needs by n eliciting a certain kind of performance from someone else. So she has to perform something in order to uh, kind of activate something in, in someone else. Um, when I, when I sort of thought about her, um, in that light and started thinking back to the kind of experiences that I'd had when I was, uh, yeah, a teenager, like I said, the age of, of Jake in, in this, in this novel and, and the kind of different personalities that I would see kind of bopping around, um, uh, these, these spaces that were, um, yeah, sort of geographically removed from the film industry, but, but really invested in it. Um, suddenly bringing those two elements together, the sort of, um, the attraction of the con, but also this, this, um, kind of, um, uh, para film world, uh, that I experienced bringing those two together is really kind of the, the moment that she became, um, real and became someone that I could follow across many, many pages. Um, and I suddenly had the confidence that I could follow her and she would, um, lead me to some interesting places and, and, um, surprise me. So. Please. Yeah, she's really wonderful. She's really complicated. And, um, you know, I love what the book has to say sort of about, um, I guess, like the exploitation of children and how that can be sort of like cyclical over generations. Mm -hmm. um, could you talk a little bit about her background sort of and how that is <laughs> driving her actions in the the present of the novel? Yeah, yeah. So her, her background in the novel is that she, um, when she was... Uh, a child. She uh, had a very, very brief stint in this um, uh, this sitcom that that led to her um, kind of separation from from her from her parents, who were uh, you know not not handling that responsibility uh, uh, very well. And then we see this um, very brief. Um, moment where she meets her father again after after many years and um he has sort of taken this little anecdote of of hers and sort of incorporated into um his own story uh for his own for his own purposes um and the that was one of those those things sort of her her her, her her background her 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 childhood sort of leading up to this was something that um uh turned out to be a, a surprise while I was while I was writing it um and the you know one of those moments where I, I was just really kind of following where um where she took me and the um that the the way it sort of um came to life in her more of the narrative present where she's um or some of the actions are leading up to where the, the novel starts when she's you know has her own family and she's 
you know, raising these, these kids is where I, I saw her as being um, intensely aware that the experiences that she had, the kind of training in family life that she'd had did not prepare her for the kind of family that she had or the family that she wanted or, or, or thought she, she wanted. Um, and so, uh, again, there was a sort of performative element to how she was with her family um, that uh, all sort of came out of this this kind of, um, uh, yeah, this the sort of disjunction early, early in her, in her life that again is sort of, you know, tied up with, with performance, tied up with um, the, um, the, the idea of a, a child performer being a, a, uh, a saleable uh, uh, entity um, to the parents as well. And I think that's, Certainly, <clears throat> the knowledge that she brings to the 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 con that she's running later with with her own son, um, who uh, you know at times is is performing the role of someone other than her son in this in this um, in this con. Um, so so yeah, it, it's sort of um, is all wrapped up in the idea of performance, um, both. Uh, professionally, but then also, you know, privately uh, within within the family. Um, yeah. I really like the scene that you just mentioned <clears throat> where she does meet her father again as mm -hmm. an adult uh, for a lot of reasons, one of which being, <clears throat> like, I love the sort of uh, Toastmasters parody happening. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. used to work at a bookstore where we had meetings for that group. And oh, I remember, cool. like, um, counting the ums you know, and all like the filler words. And I was like, is this a good metric for, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but so I really appreciated that and felt very validated. Um, yeah. So I love the way that like that thing that the dad does in like sort of claiming the story is such a, it works so well, like with the, the, the sort of things that he did as like a showbiz parent too, mm -hmm. you know, they're both about sort of like seeing your children as like an extension of yourself, you know, and that they, they're, right their experiences are yours, you know, and serve you. And so like, right. it, it was like very crystallizing for me. Yeah. Um, could you talk a little bit about um, the, the period piece details? Because mm -hmm. that was, I was, uh, I think in early high school, the year that the novel is set and it touched on so many things that I remember so well, even just like the TV lineups and, you know, the, <laughs> the things that you'd be watching in a motel room. Um, did you do any, additional research beyond your memory in order to bring these back to life like that? Um, nothing, nothing too, too extensive. Um, I, I mean, I, I have just such a, uh, an intense visceral memory of those, the, the channel with the, the, the TV guide channel with the scrolling. Um, and, and my family and I were just recently in a, a series of, of, hotels ourselves as we sort of moved across uh the country recently and um you know now people don't really watch tv the way we did uh in the pre-streaming era so it was really alarming to turn on a, a hotel tv and still see like a version of it there um but a lot of those details just just came out of um the way i remembered 
uh, that period, the way I remember just this, this sort of the feeling of, of, uh, you know, cheap motel towels, uh, at that, at that time. And, um, uh, so, um, yeah, yeah, there was nothing, nothing too extensive, just, just the sort of, uh, exercising of, of, uh, uh, yeah, teenage memories, I guess. Nice. Um, and finally, if we could talk a little about a bit about genre, because uh, yeah. I love what this novel is doing with it. And, you know, something that I think about a lot is um, that, like, I, I tend to myself think of genre not as like a label you put on a thing, but like maybe like a buffet that you sort of shoot, pick and choose from a little <clears throat> yeah. And there's so many elements to this book because you have like, there's like a real kind of realist streak with the depiction of like the family dynamics and all that but it's also very speculative especially in the second half mm-hmm. you have crime and you have horror uh, and family drama so yeah could you talk a little bit about what what your relationship to genre is here and kind of how you see it working yeah I mean I, I I think the the way when I was writing it I um the way I thought about genre was um, not so much that I, the writer, am trying to, um, fulfill the requirements of certain genres, but that, um, these characters are sort of pushing themselves into spaces that, um, uh, where those kind of scripts seem like the, the, uh, the thing to do, you know? Um, so their, their characters are making choices to, um uh you know be be criminals you know and um and as soon as i um got got beyond the 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 feeling that i needed to sort of satisfy certain things and that i could um uh, i could you know honor the the characters um in a way that allowed them to uh interact sort of pass through uh a genre uh, like like a, you know a room in the, the the haunted house um then it it became um yeah more more like a, a sort of uh, a setting that we're sort of passing through and interacting with the space and then we sort of can move through that and then into into another setting and so i um, I think that was a helpful way for me to to think about it in a way that um, still, you know, honored the kind of stories that I was um, that I'd encountered a lot when I was uh, a teenager and had found myself thinking a lot about um, as I started writing this book, um, while not feeling um, uh, you know constrained by them. Um, and so that's when I started to think about it as um these these two halves the sort of the the um i guess to to put it in terms of of genre the like the um f- crime story first half you know haunted house second half um but that the the characters were sort of you know passing through these spaces um and that one this that, that the second half the sort of haunted house space where things feel um and and are more out of control seems like a natural progression from the sort of attempt at um uh, at 
control in the in the first half. And so that was uh, the way that I um, kind of th- tried to think about it in a way that um, made all of those elements um, made them available to me without feeling like I, I needed to, you know, check things on a, on a, on a box, you know, check, check, uh, things off of a list or anything like that. Um, yeah. And I think the, I've noticed I, in terms of like, I, I mentioned a minute ago that I didn't want a genre to feel like a constraint, but now that I, now that I sort of heard myself say that, I think one of the things that I actually do look for as I'm writing um, are constraints. Mm. Um, They might not be um, those kind of generic constraints. They might be other types of constraints, um, like um, a physical constraint, like a space um, or, or time, something like that. So I think there are ways in which um finding constraints can be very very generative for me when i realized that the second half of this book could be one night in one location um then it becomes this sort of you know pressure cooker that becomes really really exciting um and i've encountered that with with other novels as well whereas you know the the way into it um might initially feel like avoiding certain types of writerly constraints but then you find the constraint that really that really makes it work uh the kind of limitation um and and that's when that the the constraint can sort of you know provide a certain pressure for you to really you know launch characters um into places that while being constrained in some ways can lead you to incredible surprises It's it's a great structure, I think, for the character Bridget, you know, because mm-hmm. something I spent a lot of time thinking about while reading this is that like how much her job, her job <laughs> includes not just uh, performance, but improv, you know, like and you right. have to be really dynamic. She has to like have the like the yes and spirit, you know, to right. sort of respond to what's happening to her. And so it is really fun to just sort of like get to see how she reacts when you're just like, okay, you're in a horror novel now. What are you going to do? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, I, um, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think in terms of like um, the experiences I've had that sort of helped m- me um, write novels, I think um when I was uh, a teenager, I was involved in a lot of, um, I did a lot of, you know, improv theater, that kind of stuff. And I think that experience actually um, is, is pretty foundational to my ability to just sit down and, and, and I think push a story into places that are surprising for me and to sort of follow it and, and to, to um, and to really find that experience um, very gratifying and exciting, not stressful and 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 deflating. So, um, so yeah, I think it's 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 great that that um, that that's reflected in in the character too. Because I think you know, as for myself, that's um, that was a pretty foundational you know skill for for learning how to write later. 
Nice. And, you know, to bring us back full circle to where we started, you know, I think that like to be good at improv, you do sort of have like there's this paradoxical thing about control happening, you know, mm-hmm. by, by acknowledging that you have no control <laughs> over the situation, right. you gain it somehow, you know, and yeah. like that's what she's doing over and over again in her life. And that's kind of it's really interesting. So thank, yeah. thank you the show and talking about this and yeah bringing all your ideas <laughs> yeah thank you that's that's a wonderful um insight i hadn't thought about that but that, that really sort of helps illuminate the uh sort of you know, bring the novel and 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 my process together so that's wonderful great um are you working on anything now what's next for you yeah um i've been working on um uh something that i i like i probably a lot of writers I'm you know nervous to talk about it until it's in some you know uh uh other form um but yeah I I've um been been continuing to uh to work on something and I'm really excited about it um and I'm not usually as as cagey as I sound right now it's just writerly superstition it happens across the board I can, i've come to expect it i really i actually don't really know why i still ask the question because <laughs> nobody can talk about anything yeah but it's a it's a good you know <laughs> test to see like you know where, where people are on a sort of you know superstition spectrum you know yeah yeah that's true oh well thank you again this has been really lovely and this book was such a joy and um the reason that i do ask is that you know when your next project uh comes to fruition and is something you can talk about you're always welcome back to the show so thank you very much well thank you so much for having me this was really nice very welcome Okay, listeners, Weft is available right now. So by the time that you hear this, you are able to go to your favorite independent bookstore or library, wherever you like to go get your books. And I highly recommend that you do. It's really fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. It is now time to close this chapter. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode.